Baptist. We had a couple really awesome things happening coming up. Christina's mentioned the beach and baptism next week. It's going to be at the 27th Street Park there in New Smyrna. And we're inviting everyone to come. And I'm a believer we're going to baptize 30 people. Even if you've already been baptized, take your family to the beach for just a beach day. It's a great day to celebrate. We're going to have time of worship and praise on the beach. There's just something powerful when we take the message of hope out there and we begin to celebrate the goodness of God and the changed lives that he's doing in our community. It's just going to be a fun day. We'll be there. The church will supply waters and some drinks, bottled waters and drinks. But uh, you make sure you eat before you come or you can bring a picnic and We'll have some tables reserved there at the 27th Street Park. If there's not enough parking in the parking lot, you can park on the beach. And uh, that's one of the cool things about living right here in Central Florida, New Smyrna. And uh, so bring your $5 to do that. But we invite everyone to be there. It's going to be a great day of celebration. And yesterday, actually this weekend, uh, we had about 25 of our young people compete in a, a ministry called Fine Arts. And, it, oh, come on, some of them are already excited about it. Across the nation. Across the nation, there are thousands of young people. As a matter of fact, some of the top Christian performers today competed in this same ministry over the years. Natalie Grant. There's a really famous girl that I won't mention her name actually did it because she's gone the wrong direction. She's a little lost right now, but we're praying her back in. But there have been a lot of people throughout the years that have been involved in this ministry. We had about 20, 23, 24 young people involved in it. And over 21 of our young people have advanced onto the national competition in to take place in Kentucky in the month of August. So we want to celebrate that today. You guys want to show a few pictures there? There's our worship band, our fine arts worship band. They did a great job. Um, one of the youth pastors from a large church here in town said, I listened to worship bands for three and a half hours on Friday. And he said, when our band got up there, our worship team got up there, the presence of God just came in an incredible way. And we are so proud of them and their ministry. And they're going to be leading worship at the Millennium Campus here in just a little bit. So God's doing some great things. Amen? Amen. We are continuing this. My wife, she's, that's her son. Oh. oh, Pollock and David, spoken words. First time she ever preached was last Wednesday night. And uh, she was nervous as all get out, she said. But God came on her, and she preached the word on Friday. And she just did a great job. And so we're so proud of all the young people that were involved in the ministry this weekend. Hey guys, uh, we're going to continue in our series, Family Matters, Help My Family Isn't What I Want It To Be, and today we're talking about raising champions for God, raising champions for God, and I'm going to invite my beautiful wife, Laura, Laura Jean Smith, Laura Lloyd Jean Smith, we're going to invite her to the City Church platform, let's give Laura a great big hand as she comes this morning, and we got all kinds of, we got, there you go, thank you Linda. Good job, Linda and Jill, bringing all the stuff up. And um, Miss Christina, can you just hand me my little book right there? Raising Champions for God. This is a passion of my wife and I's. Uh, when we met, one of the very first things that we did is we talked about family. We talked about life. I told someone the other day, I mean, I know engagements and people have long engagements. But for my wife and I, we knew the moment that we went out on our very first date, we knew that it was going to be for life. We just knew it. There was a connection. There was a love connection, a divine connection. But we had talked about everything. We talked about ministry. We talked about family. We talked about politics. We talked about money. We talked about sexual values. We talked about everything that we could talk about. And one of the things on the very first date, yeah, the very first date, uh, what we discovered is that we were in agreement on so many things. We were in agreement on so many things. 
I want to talk to you today about raising champions for God, and I'm going to talk to single moms, divorced parents, couples that are together. We're talking to everybody today because this message, this message is so relevant for this generation. Now, my children are 16 and 21, so I have gone through about four or five stages of the parenting process. I don't have married children yet and grandchildren, that kind of thing, but up to 21, I can tell you what God has showed me so far. And as a matter of fact, I think God's even showed me things for after my children are married and have kids. But up to this point, my wife and I can share with you what we believe God has put in our hearts to impart to you. Because this is such a crucial message in this generation. Our culture today devalues the role of marriage and people following God's plan and purpose. And, and so many people have experienced the pain and the hurt of coming from a divorced family and and we have all these cultural issues taking place. And the fact is, the fact is, Satan has a diabolical plot that he's hatched against not only the church, but culture in general. And his plan is to destroy the family. Because if he can destroy the family, he can destroy a culture. And so we're going we're gonna to counteract that today. We're going to be proactive. We're going to speak a message of hope and a, a message of faith today. And I, I want to encourage you today. Because sometimes we look at what's happening in the natural and fail to realize that there is another spiritual reality that God has for us. See, there's two worlds that we live in. We live in the natural world. We live in the spiritual world. But the spiritual world is way more powerful and way more real than the natural world that you see. Because the God that created this world lives in that spiritual dimension. So we want to talk about Family matters today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at two portions of Scripture. We're going to, and uh, I need my notes. I got all kinds of stuff down there, my Bible. And you can stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. We're going to have the Scripture verses up on the screen. But you can follow with me this morning. We're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture. The first one's found in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse number 4, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. And the Bible says, do not provoke your children to wrath. Do not provoke your children to wrath. It actually says this to fathers, but we're just implying this to the family unit today. But bring them up in the training and the admonition or the awe or the fear of the Lord. Now, I want you to turn to one more passage It's found in the... The Old Testament is Deuteronomy chapter 30, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 19. And the Bible says, this day I call heaven and earth as witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Everyone say blessings. Everyone say curses. Now choose life. Everyone say choose life. You have the power today to choose. You have the power today to choose how you're going to raise your children. You have the power today to choose how you're going to believe about the future of your grandchildren. You have the power today to choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to His voice, hold fast to Him, for the Lord is your life. Father, I pray that you will add your blessing and grace and anointing to the reading and the proclamation and the teaching of your word. Give your people ears to hear. Give me a mouth to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you this morning on raising kids who love God, 
live for God, and advance His kingdom in their generation. I want to speak to you, I want to speak today about raising kids who live for God, love God, and understand that they are called to advance God's purposes in their generation. In Psalms chapter 127, it says that children are a blessing from the Lord. And the, actually, the psalmist talks about children being like the man who has his quiver full of arrows. You see, God has called you to raise children who not only experiences love and not only experiences wonderful relationship for them and their generation, God has called you to impart and to train and to teach your children that they are to be arrows against the kingdom of darkness in their generation. You see, this thing is to go from generation to generation to generation. It isn't just for them and their, your four. No, this thing is for your children and for their children and for generations to come. There's something powerful when you wrap your heart and your spirit and your mind around this truth. You see, your high calling today is to raise children who are champions for God. You're a single mom. Your high calling is to raise champions for God. You're a single dad. Your high calling is to raise champions for God. Your, your calling as a couple is to raise champions for God. And if you're a grandparent today, if you're a grandparent today, the fact is your calling is to stand in the gap on behalf of your grandchildren. And if you're a single person today, you need to get this into your spirit and your heart because 97% of people at some point get married and have children in our world. And so the, this message applies to most people, most people today, even single people. If you understand your role in the body of Christ, how God has called you not just for your little world, but you can make an, a difference and an impact in the children of this generation. Some of the best children's workers I've ever worked with didn't have any children because they were totally committed to the call and to the cause of Christ and imparting and impacting a generation. One of our very first children's workers that we had in the city of Seattle, we had a huge children's outreach. We had four buses and three vans, and we picked, picked up kids in the inner city and brought them to church. It was a woman by the name of Holly Mann. She was a single woman, and she's probably in her mid-40s today, and she's never been married. And I was on Facebook, and we reconnected the other day, and she's still in the same local church that we started 20-some years ago. You know what she's doing? She's serving the children of this generation. For over 20 years, she's committed her life as a single person to impacting children in the inner city of Seattle. You tell me there's not a great reward in heaven for that woman. Come on, let's give God a great big hand. You see, the moment you become a parent, you become a servant to the next generation. Hear me. The moment you become a parent, you become a servant to the next generation. Because the choices you make, good, bad, and ugly, will have a tremendous impact on your children and generations to come. Your choice to become a parent, your choice to become a parent means that you are going to become a servant to the next generation. Here's the deal. We've all failed. All have failed. All have fallen short. There's no perfect parent in this room. My wife and I are not setting ourselves up the epitome and the model of everything that's good and righteous and how to do this thing. Sometimes I look back and I grimace over the times that I was disengaged or the things that I've said. But i got to tell you, the balance scale of life is this, that I'm totally dependent upon the grace of God. 
I'm totally dependent upon the grace of God. And some choices that we made, some choices that we made before our children were born have had a great impact in their choice today to serve God and to follow Him. Got right there in your handout. Just go quickly through some of these real quickly here, quickly today. But one of the things that I know about parenting is it can be exhausting. Your children can wear you out. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Oh, my. You never knew you could be so tired. Right? Especially when they're little and you got little ones and you're trying to manage life and work and raising kids and daycare and school events and all these things. Life can be exhausting. Parenting can be exhausting. Parenting isn't easy. Everyone said amen. amen. Oh my, where is that little manual that they're supposed to give you on how to raise the perfect child when you left the hospital? That's right, no such thing, isn't that right? Parenting isn't easy. Parenting is a great challenge. Parenting requires personal growth on your part. I mean, you're having to grow as an individual. You're having to think differently about your life and the choices that you're going to make and, and the focus not just upon yourself or your spouse or your work, but now you have to grow personally in your relationship. Parenting is a delayed gratification. Parenting is delayed gratification. You can't necessarily see the things that are sown into your children's life when they're three, four, and five years old. But I can tell you when they're 16 and they're 21, I can tell you there's some great joy and satisfaction in knowing that the things that you invested in them and the priorities that you made and impacting and imparting truth into your children have great fruit and great reward. I mean, there's nothing greater in my life to see my boys involved in ministry and even at home when they come and they always want to give me a hug and give me a kiss before they leave. And, and sometimes it's a little smothering and sometimes I'm thinking, wow, what did I do? But I want you to know there is great satisfaction. You can sow the right seeds into your children's life. There's no perfect parent today. There's no one perfect. There's only, there was only one perfect Heavenly Father. And he had a bunch of rebellious, he had a bunch of children that went sideways on him right there in the very beginning. Their name were Adam and Eve. Amen? Amen. Come on. Even our Heavenly Father who is perfect had children who decided to make choices for themselves. So today this is not shame-based parenting. This is grace-based parenting. Everyone said amen. amen. So no shame. So you got problems in your family and your kids and things aren't going right. Come on, let's get over that today and let's focus on the grace of God and the difference that we can make as we move forward. Legacy. Talking about legacy today. Talking about imparting into our children and to their generation. There's something that's happening in my life and it's taken me quite a while to get to this point. To understand, to understand that the choices that I do make regarding my family and my children, I am leaving a legacy for future generations. I'm leaving a legacy. Webster's Dictionary actually says legacy is something handed on from those who've come from before. Something that is handed on. There's way more to leaving a legacy than money and property. As a young man, I made a decision that I was going to do my best in getting insurance and making sure that my family, if something happened to me as, a, as the, the breadwinner, as the, the, the male person in our family, I was going to make sure. That's really cool. Uh, I was going to make sure that my family was going to be provided for. So I've done some things in the financial world. I've made some investments and I've done my part in trying to provide a legacy for my wife and for my children in case something would happen to me. But it's way more than that. It's way more than that. 
a legacy that you leave for your children is something that has eternal values. And the life to come and the life that we live now in this generation. There was a case study done. It was done back in the 1900s by a man. It was a scholar by the name of B.B. Warfield. And B.B. Warfield studied two men who lived around the same time period in the 1700s. One was Jonathan Edwards. The other one was a man by the name of Mac Jukes. Matt Jukes. And both of these men, they had children. They had lots of kids. B.B. Warfield, he looked at a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards, and he compared his life to a person who just lived life. Much like many people today, they just live life. No real consideration of eternity. No real consideration of how they're living today and the impact that they're having on future generations. As a matter of fact, Mac Jukes was just a party man. He lived for himself and he married a woman who was very similar in values and the way that she lived. And they followed their posterity for over 120 years. And what they discovered is that in Jonathan Edwards' life, over the next 120 years, he had over 514 or 500 and some people that were related to his legacy. So in over 120 years, he had 11 children. Of those 11 kids, they produced and they produced. They had over 500 and some children over a 120-year period. And listen to this. And Jonathan Edwards' family, who was, who was really probably the greatest philosopher, intellect, pastor, preacher, teacher. You can read his writings today. They're still trying to decipher and, and un, unpack the things that he discerned and understood from God over 250 years ago. Jonathan Edwards, over 300 preachers were in his family. He had 295 college graduates. Over 100 were missionaries. 100 were lawyers. 80 held public office, including one vice president, Aaron Burr. 13 U.S. senators. One state governor. Three big city mayors. One U.S. controller. 75 military officers. 65 college professors, including 13 college presidents. And 50, 56 physicians, including one dean of a medical school. In over 120 years, a man who totally, you can read, he's one of the most famous preachers who ever lived in America. They say that his life was directly responsible for the first great awakening. The, the, the perception and the reality that we have in our churches today, that we can encounter the Spirit of God in our services, really was promulgated by this man. He was the great revivalist that led this, this country into the greatest awakening that it ever knew spiritually. Listen to his generation. Now listen to Matt Jukes. Matt Jukes was an atheist. He lived in New York. Same time period. Of the 50, 560 known descendants in his family, seven were murderers. 60 became thieves. 67 reported having syphilis. 100 were alcoholics. 50% of the, of the women in his family line became prostitutes. And 300 died prematurely. Wow. Come on. You don't think that your life today has impact in future generations, but the choices you make today will have a direct impact in future generations that are to come. See, Jonathan Edwards was a man of faith, and he believed the Word of God. We're going to talk today, my wife and I, about how to build, how to build a family, how to raise champions for God. And the first thing that I want to talk about is about the power of being there. The power, you have a little note, you can fill it in there. The power of being there. I wanted to mention, too, that um, there are stages in parenting, and, and things do change as life goes on. When you first, your first role as a parent is to be the caregiver, and that's until they're about two years old. And then um, you're the personal trainer, where it is very hands-on. You are guiding them. You are 
giving them direction and you're saying uh, say say please say thank you um, you're correcting little things you're uh, encouraging but you're giving a lot of instruction as as they go along then they get to be about 12 through their teen years and it's more like you're the coach you're a little less hands-on they're coming back to you after they've been in the uh, on the basketball at the basketball hoop you're encouraging them you're telling them uh, way to go it's a much more uh, big picture thing then they get into their college years which is where Austin is and you're much more of a consultant so the role changes but we have uh, we have this great little clip of a personal trainer in our church who's actually training his little boy he's training to training for reigning and if we could see that clip now that would be awesome Come on, amen. <laughs> that was awesome. Don't be the toughest seven-year-old boy on the planet. He doesn't work him that hard every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, raising champions for God, the power of being there. The days are short. Ephesians says, be careful how you lived in. Not as unwise, but unwise, making the most of every opportunity because the days that we live in are evil. And as a parent, there are so many forces, so many things in this world that are trying to pull your children, trying to pull them into another direction other than God's kingdom. There is two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And you as a parent today, this power of being there is so valuable. One of the things that Laura and I, when we first got married, we had um, 
really talked about how we were going to raise our kids and about being there. And when I was finishing school, my wife was working as a sales manager at an advertising company. And I want to tell them some of the things that we did, some of the, the sacrifices and the things that we did to make being there happen in our family. Right. Well, I, uh, I had quite a commute to work. I started work at 6.30 in the morning. So Eugene was really Mr. Mom um, every single morning getting the kids ready. And, and we lived quite a ways away. So when, um, when they were in school, a lot of times I couldn't, because of my management position, I couldn't leave work. And so Eugene would have to be there for everything that the moms would be there for, including the Mother's Day teas. And, um, I was the only dad at the Mother's Day tea. <laughs> I remember when, uh, when Austin was four years old, um, Austin made this beautiful hat for his mom. Uh, actually, it was his, the hat for his dad. And so we, we had a picture of Eugene wearing this Mother's Day hat with the other moms around the table. But uh, the, Austin didn't mind that it was his, his dad and not his mom. He kind of wanted his mom, but it's the way it worked <laughs> out for him. We made a choice, though. And even when I was in school, I would have to I put the little front carrier. I was a guy with a baby at school with, with, uh, in my front carrier. And I was, he actually I was, took Austin I actually to his took classes Austin when he was a baby. He was the youngest university student in the history of mankind, at least at the school that I went to. And I was set in the back, and I'd take care of my son. But we made choices about time. And, and what happened in my life, I was thinking about it, and I think my dad went to one ball game when I was growing up as a kid. But there was a, there was a boy that I played Little League Baseball with. I was a paper boy, and, and I remember I would finish my paper out and run over to the ball field. And it was just a different day. We rode our bikes everywhere. I mean, my parents didn't haul me all over the place. If I was going to get someplace, I had to figure it out on my own. And so I was playing Little League Baseball. I was about in fifth grade. And uh, there was a song that was very famous in 1974. It was sung by a guy by the name of Harry Chapin. It was called Cats in the Cradle. And some of you older guys remember that. And the words of that song, when I was 11 years old, I was sitting in front of Dr. Owens, who was my orthodontist. I was sitting in front of his office with my mom in the car, and that song came on the radio. And, and she wanted to go in, and I wouldn't let her get out of the car because those are the words of the song that represented my life. And I remember, I remember so clearly thinking at that age how much I just wanted to be with my dad. My dad had other things going. He had business going, and he was sideways in his relationship with the Lord. And all those things kept him from being there in my life. But I remember as a little boy, I was 11 years old, and I was playing baseball. And uh, there was a kid on my team. His name was J.R. Howe, Jack Howe. And uh, J.R. Howe, he wasn't necessarily the best player on the team, but he had a dad who was there every single practice in every game. I even remember his dad practicing with me. You see, you, maybe you have someone in your influence. Maybe you're a ranger leader or an impact leader. or Maybe you're working in the children's ministry in JBQ or some other area of ministry. This guy, Jack Hell, his dad was there every single practice, every single practice, and he was teaching him how to play ball. By the time he was in high school, he was the, one of the best high school players. He went on to play for the University of Arizona, and he played 17 years at third base for the California Angels. I thought, you know, he wasn't necessarily the best player growing up as a kid, but he had a dad. He had someone who was there in his life. And God is, with, God is there with us. Mom, dads, we make a choice about our time. We make a, t a choice about our time. Love is spelled in your child and in your grandchild's life. In a child that you're influencing, love is spelled time. I had a mom in my office on Friday, and she was talking to me about her son. He's 24 years of age. He used to play drums here at the church. His name is Matt Reynolds. And Matt Reynolds just married Ashley a couple of years ago, and they're doing well in life. And, and she talked to me about her relationship with a man by the name of Eddie Browder. And before she even knew she loved Eddie Browder, 
She said, Eddie was a big brother to my son. He was a big brother to my son. And she said, you know, Eddie never raised his voice. He never got angry. They were, Eddie would pick him up, and he didn't even know that he was, he was going to marry Elaine. But he talked about, she was talking about the impact that Eddie had on her boy. So we all can make a difference in being there for someone else. Laura wanted to talk about single moms because, and single dads because this is such a crucial area, this whole area of understanding being there. And if you can't always be there because you're not always going to be there, how you can position your child and yourself still for success in your life. We have um, many single moms in our church, and we have some single dads too. And um, one of them was actually in, uh, talking to me the other day, and she was saying uh, that she was reading the book, Bringing Up Boys, and she said uh, part of it made me feel really bad because it had a whole chapter on the relationship with the dad, and there's no dad in our home. And she said, but the part that made me feel really good is that I know that I'm at City Church and that the children's pastor is Pastor Dan, who is like a dad to all the kids. And Jason Scott in, uh, in uh, Royal Rangers really likes my son and spends a lot of time with him. And there, um, Doug and Kenny Cheeseman are in kids' ministry. And every time my son's at church, he's with men of God that really care about him and that have that have brought him into their circle. And there's a man in the church that wants to take him fishing. And I, I said, you know, they may not be there every day to kiss them goodnight, but those men and the impact and the connection that they're going to have with your son is going to make a huge difference in the, in his life and in your kid's life if you stay connected with the local church. Absolutely. The second thing, amen, the second thing we want to talk about is creating a home of security and safety. Creating a home of security and safety a place where God's presence is encouraged and celebrated, making your home a place of refuge. Making your home a place of refuge. And the way that this happens in your life, the way that this happens in every home, is that there has to be words of affirmation. There has to be words of affirmation that you are speaking into your children. We all need to be affirmed. We all need, no matter where we are, not every child has the same giftings and the same skills and the same talents. But we're not speaking curses and, and negativity and unbelief. You're not calling your child stupid or dumb or they're never going to amount to anything. No, what you do is you see the bent and the way that your child is created by God. And every child is different. And you affirm the things that they are good in. Every child has something that God has made them special and unique in. So you affirm those things. Affirmation is so important. I'm 48 years of age, and there's still part of me that wants to be affirmed by my father. I didn't have a lot of affirmation growing up as a child, but there's something in me that wants to be affirmed. We want to hear, well done. Actually, the Bible says that the father said over Jesus when he was going into the waters of baptism in the Jordan, Jordan River, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, speaking words of affirmation. Offering a, a place of warmth, offering a place where, listen guys, it's a place your kids want to hang out. Yesterday, my boys were in our house and they play music. My boys, my oldest son plays the drums, my youngest son plays the keyboard, he's learning the guitar. And my home is a place where there is music all times of the day and all kinds of the night. And I, I can tell you, I've never told my boys once not to play their instruments. And let me tell you, when they start playing the drums and the keyboard, it gets really loud. And so I go into my room and I just shut my door. But I want my boys to feel like the things that they want to do in life 
I'm not discouraging them. I'm encouraging them to do it. And yesterday, they had some worship people over, and, I've, and they, they were just hanging out, and they were eating the chips, and they left a mess. And, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, help us. You know. But we're creating a place where they want to hang out, where they want to be with their friends, a, a place of warmth. And then the last thing is a place of encouragement, a place of encouragement. A couple of years ago, Austin had just transitioned from high school to university, and I, he was just overwhelmed. Uh, he had finished high school. He was first freshman year at the University of Central Florida. He was in ROTC. He was a cadet for officer training. He was involved in ministry here at the church. Uh, he was working at a local restaurant 30, 35 hours a week. And I walked in one day, and I saw this look on his face where he was completely overwhelmed. I, I could just see. I knew my boy, and I knew that he was not doing well emotionally. And I was with one of my very good friends, Jack Loman, who's been a great dad and father to me spiritually and, and a great mentor to me. And we were talking, and he said, well, we gotta, we got to do something with Austin. It's not going to work. And uh, I've never told my boy to quit anything. I've never, I've never even let them quit anything. But there was a place where I realized that if he was going to make the transition from high school to college, that he wasn't going to be able to work full time like he was. And so my wife and I made it a commitment that we would take care of this season of his life because I wasn't really sure. This is like the most trickiest time. It was really easy when they were little because I could control them. Even the way they thought, I thought I could control it, you know. But now I can't control them. Now it's about coaching. It's about encouraging. And, and I encouraged my son to quit his job. And I said, we're going to make sure that you have what you need so that you can get your degree in university. It was an encouraging thing to him. So making those kinds of deposits in their life. And also, it, Eugene mentioned to encourage them according to the way that they're wired. And um, when... When Austin was a little tiny boy, or I guess about 18 months old, his, his grandma was with us. At, um, and one of the first things she said to us was almost in a strong prophetic way, this young man really likes tasty foods. And, <laughs> and that's an understatement because that has been like the theme of his life. I mean, he, is, he has the gift of hospitality. He loves cooking. He started cooking when he was a little boy. Um, and he also uh, has a real gift of leadership. And we saw when he was about three years old, he would boss, he'd try to boss around a whole big group of, of kids twice his age. And, so and he got punched out one time, too. But, <laughs> but so we've tried to uh, allow Austin to develop his gift in, in cooking. And a little, at first it felt a little different to me. And then Christine encouraged me, and she said, what an awesome gift that he has, that he loves to create an atmosphere of food and warmth and fun for people. And he's always having people over and, and cooking for him and, and making sure that he's the one in charge of, of most things in his life and the rest of the family a lot of the times. And uh, then Keenan, when he was about 18 months old, I, I, uh, we were at um, the revival in Pensacola, and I was, I was holding him. The, the Spirit just impressed on me as I was listening to, um, to Lyndall Cooley that um, Keenan would have a ministry along that line. And I just I felt it so strongly. And uh, we went back to Seattle, and shortly thereafter it was confirmed prophetically through our worship leader. And he, he said, you just need to make sure that you keep him in piano lessons. And uh, so those two things, Austin with, um, with his leadership and also music, Keenan especially in music, encouraging him along that line. And, and you know, um, the book on love language, languages for kids, Gary Chapman, is a wonderful book. But I think um, Austin's love language is food and Keenan's is music. So we've just always encouraged those two things. And it's, it's uh, been 
a track that the Lord has laid out for him, it seems to be. Um, you know, the kids are not a book like a journal that you or that God gives you to write in what you think that they're going to do and how you think they're going to be. I think sometimes we think that. But they're actually a book to be read. And you can see even when they're young that their personality and their giftings and their spirit and their calling begins to emerge. And that's the really exciting thing about raising kids is seeing what God has for their future and seeing how you can foster it. So they could be sharp arrows to penetrate the kingdom of darkness for the next generation. Did you hear me today? Because your children have a spiritual bent and gifting from God that's to be used to advance his kingdom. It's not just about getting a good little job and make a little bit of money and have a happy life. It's about your children actively engaging against the kingdom of darkness. And that's what we will... I'm sorry. Well, that's what we want for every child. We believe that God has that for every child, and you as a parent have that responsibility. Number three, disciplining your child in consistency and love. Discipline, disciplining your child. We're going to talk about when love says no next week. We're going to talk about this aspect of, the, of raising your children and how to discipline your children and how to go through the terrible twos and all those kinds of things that people say. We're going to deal with that next week. The fourth one is loving your spouse. Loving your spouse. This is the most valuable gift that mom, dad, single person, ex-spouse, this is, I mean, divorced person, wherever you put yourself on this spectrum of being a parent today, the most powerful thing you can do is loving the person who helps you bring that child into the world. Hear me today. This isn't just for married couples. This is a huge mistake. There's so many, you know, there's power and agreement and unity in one, and my wife and I have a very typical family. We wrestle through issues, and we're working on this marriage thing all the time. And, but I've got to tell you, this thing, breaking it all the way down to where there are families in our church who maybe don't have a mom or a dad that's in the home. There obviously was a mom and dad and producing that child. But being a person of love, being a person of love, loving your spouse. The Bible says that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And wives are to respect their husbands. So the first thing we can do for a married couple is to make a strong marriage our number one priority. The greatest gift you can give your child is having a strong marriage. When I stand up here and I marry a couple and I say, wife for life, and you make a vow before God, you make a vow before God. You make a vow. I mean, we, we, it's like in our culture, it's like they don't mean anything. It's just, it's craziness. We've got to counteract the culture. We've got to come and say, hey, you know what? This is not God's way. God has a better plan and better way. If you're divorced, this is not shame-based parenting. This is grace-based parenting. All right, forgiveness and walking in wholeness and moving forward into your future. You must be very careful how you speak about the other person that helped bring that child. One of the biggest mistakes that ex-spouses or or, or moms or dads make about the person who's no longer in their life is speaking evil about that person, speaking negatively about that person. It's a huge mistake. If you're a single mom today, the greatest gift you can give your child is being a person of blessing and forgiveness and walking in love towards that person who is no longer in your relationship. Because you'll do do one of two things. You'll sow love in the heart of your child for that parent, or you'll sow bitterness in the heart. If you're still in a marriage, and the marriage is sideways, and it's difficult, and it's challenging, listen, your child is not your BFF to share all your personal issues with. I mean, so many parents think that their kids, like their psychologists. I saw one of the moms that used to go to our church, she posted on Facebook about her 12-year-old daughter, how mature she was, because she was talking to her about all the 
gunk and junk of her relationship with her ex-spouse. And I'm like, please, what are you thinking? Your child, your child is forming an opinion about their father. And that girl and her relationship with their dad is going to be impacted forever in the kind of life that that daughter lives. So listen to me today. If you've got to get over it, if you've got to go to Lowe's and buy a ladder and climb on over it, get over it. Get over it. Work through it. Love is a decision. You don't have to badmouth and speak evil. And Listen, even if you don't express it in words, they feel it in your heart. Your kids read you like a book. And everyone said amen. All right, we got all kinds of things on marriage and money we could talk about. We want to get to this last one today. Instilling godly values and virtues. Instilling God. Listen to this verse in Deuteronomy. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Impress them. These, impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And when you lie down, and when you get up, I was having lunch with one of the men of our church on Friday, and I said, one of the ways that I know someone's really born again is that they just talk about Jesus all the time. If you're not talking about Jesus to your children, if you're not talking about your spiritual life and what God's speaking to you, what God's, you know what, I would challenge you today, man, search your heart. We took communion today, and Christina talked about getting a heart check. Check your heart, because I, I want you to know your parents your children will do what they see you do in relationship to serving God and following Him. Talk about it when you're going upon the road. In the Hebrew culture, they actually had this little thing called the tefillah. And they would make a little box and they would put it on their forehead. And it was the law of God. It was the Shema. It was Deuteronomy 6.4 that said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest command. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And they had it on a little scroll and they put it on their box and then they would wrap it around their arms to be a remembrance of the kind of people they were supposed to be. So if that means sticking Jesus stickers on your mirror, scripture verses on, on your refrigerator. I mean, whatever it takes for you to be reminded of the values that you're transferring to your child. Because your value, whatever you talk about. And if you talk about Jesus, if you talk about worship, if you talk about praise, if you talk about reaching souls for Christ... The reason that my wife and I started this church is because I had a mom that always talked about reaching children for Jesus. She always talked about it. From the time I can remember, my mom would talk about going out into the neighborhoods. And I mean, from a little boy, my mom would knock on doors and she would go and invite people to church. And I would pray to God that in our church, one person would pick up that mantle someday and see that these children in this community so desperately need Jesus. You're here today in a church because my mom believed in the children that no one else believed in. My, you're here today. City Church is a direct result of one woman who was a Jewish lady, didn't even never heard about Jesus until she was 15 years of age. You make a difference. Three things infect your kids for eternity. Peer pressure, the friends. You've got to know the people they're hanging around with. Popular culture and psychology. You've got to know the music. My wife's going to talk more about this. You've got to know the influence and what's going on. You've got to know... You, can't be stupid and ignorant. What your kids listen to will have a direct impact. If they're listening to music about slam and kill them and drugs and sex and rock and roll, that will have more influence than any word that they'll ever hear at church. I'm just telling you, it's, it ain't, this ain't rocket science, folks. This ain't, you know, don't fall out of the stupid tree and hit every branch on the way down and think that popular culture and media isn't impacting your kids. Facebook and Internet, Twitter, we're all wired in 24-7. Those things all have an impact on their life.
And then the third one, the third one is your involvement. And Laura's going to talk about that today. All right. I um, think in kind of a just a real simple way about how to raise my kids. And, and uh, this word picture has uh, been with me since I had my first child. Um, when your child is born, it's almost like this darling little palm tree is placed in palm tree. your arms. And um, just like Eugene said, you think, why didn't they give me some kind of an instruction manual? I actually remember thinking that after two days when they sent me home. Now what? They put this child in my arms. And it just it, maybe every mom feels that way, but I definitely felt that way. But on this plant, it does give us um, some instructions. This is called, of course, an exotic angel plant. You know, aren't, our, aren't all of our children angel? And this angels, this one says, this one, uh, this plant requires high light. Every plant's a little different, as we mentioned. Um, but all plants need some basic things. They need five different ingredients. One is to water frequently. And that speaks to us of immersing your kids in the word of God throughout the day and throughout the week. Uh, the Israelites trained in a little different way than uh, many people do in our society. They believed, as Eugene just mentioned, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And in our modern society, that would translate to listen to Bible tapes, uh, have preaching and teaching on the TV as your kids come in, into the door. Have praise and worship Who on. Who are your kids' heroes in this area of the Word of God? Who are your kids' heroes? Who are they listening Who to? Who are they listening to? My kids, I'm listening. I mean, since I can remember, their heroes have been preachers, great preachers. I said, well, that's not my home. Listen, it can be your home. You can talk about the Word of God. My wife listens to Joyce Myers, and she loves Joel Osteen, and mm -hmm. we're listening to Joel Stocksville and Joseph Judah Smith Prince. and T.D. Jakes. And Why? Because that's what we value. We value the Word of God in our home. Right. Your kids are going to listen to somebody. Make sure they're listening to the right influences in their life. Right. When Keenan was in second grade and Austin was in seventh grade, um, we pulled them out of private Christian school and put them in public school. And I committed that day, because they had always had Bible class when they were in private school. They'd always memorized scripture in, in school. I committed that day that before they left the house every day, they would get a heavy dose of the word of God in their lives to cover them and to insulate them against a secular society that they were going into. So through the years, um, it hasn't been a long period of, you know, it, it wasn't a half an hour in the morning. It was more like five or ten minutes. But we'd sit at the breakfast table while they were eating, I, while I had my cup of coffee, and I'd go through kids' devotionals that applied to their life. Uh, junior Bible quiz memorization for years and years, uh, devotionals for teens when they got a little older, um, my utmost for as high as other types of devotionals. Uh, right now, Keenan wants to memorize scripture, so every day we're going through a passage that, that the two of us are, are memorizing. Uh, but it, having, having your family full of the word of God, Isaiah says it's line upon line, it's precept upon precept, it's here a little, there a little, it isn't all at once, it's not, it's not all a package policy. The most important thing about uh, growing a plant is sunlight, and that speaks to us of the presence of God. And if you know us well, you know that we're not perfect parents. Uh, our lives sometimes are at breakneck speed. There's too much stress. Sometimes there's some yelling. But if there's been something of substance that we've built into our boys, it's because we've remembered those two things. We love the house of the Lord. We want our boys in the house of the Lord. We want they've been positioned frequently under the presence and the power of worship 
and they've posi- been positioned frequently under the word of God, not just in our home, but also in the house of the Lord. And um, when you give your kids plenty of sun, you make sure that there isn't any darkness. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So you want to make sure that there's no darkness that's allowed in your home. And darkness is allowed in through dark uh, media. There are so many TV shows now that we, we don't allow in our, sh- in our home because th- there's this dark element that's crept into so much of the programming now. And then dark music. And we've tried not to be legalistic, but there are some things that we've had to draw the line when it came to darkness and uh, sexual promiscuity. And um, we want, we've always magic told our arts, boys, magic arts, magic arts we've always told our boys, grow your spirit, grow your life. And when you, when you uh, impress on, on your boys that it comes from inside out, not outside in, it has to be something that's internalized in them. It has to be a well of, of life that springs up out of them, that we're not just telling them what to do, but it's coming out of their spirit. And uh, there's nothing more powerful than that partnership of three, the Holy Spirit, the local church, and your home that are saying the same thing, going in the same direction. And uh, that's what makes the difference. That's, that's what builds something of substance. Another thing about being in the presence of God is to get your kids engaged in the local church so there is a hands-on way for them to get involved. We see in the Old Testament that different families had different specialties. The Levites took care of the house of the Lord. The priests were in the temple. There were people that uh, built the temple. There were those uh, that did things outside. It's the same way in in the church of God. We see that families in our church have certain specialties. Dan Anderson and his boys are in kids' ministry. The Wolf Pack is in in praise and worship and audiovisual. There are families that are ushers. There are JBQ families. So often families will find a specialty. But make sure that you find something that your kids are good at and that they can give to the house of the Lord. That's why I had my kids when they were young. When they were four years old, we started giving them music lessons because I wanted them to have a gift that they could bring to the house of the Lord that would engage them and would want them to be involved so they want to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, George Barna did a research study that uh, said that college and uh, 20-somethings involvement and attendance in church drops off dramatically unless they have a place that they're serving in their church. And so it's so important when your kids are young, elementary, and high school that they find a place that they can serve. I'll just go over these last two points real quickly. Number three is to remove the weeds. And weeds are attitudes and actions, not just actions, but also attitudes. We have some weed killer there. And uh, you want to make sure that they are, uh, you know, weeds are really easy to pull out when they're little. You just pull them out, and they're real simple. They don't have deep roots. But you need to make sure that you're not thinking that that little sin in your two, three, four-year-old is cute. You know, you might say, Johnny, he had the cutest little temper tantrum. He's just like his dad. You know, his dad has quite a temper too. Or uh, Jill, you know, she told a little fib today, and it was so cute. Sin is not cute. And you get that weed out of there, and uh, the more, more often you can pull those little sins out, those little weeds out when they're young, they will not take root and uh, get deeply embedded in their character and in their lives and in their personalities. And it definitely is not cute when they have a temper when they're 14 years old and you can't control them. So you need to get those get those out. And the school doesn't think it's cute, and the sheriff department doesn't think it's cute. Exactly. And no one else thinks it's cute. Exactly. The fourth thing children. is to do a uh, to make sure that the soil stays soft and healthy. And um, we have a little um, soil tester, 
and you put it in the soil, and you make sure that the soil is soft, that the alkaline and acid balance is good. You make sure that there are no bitter roots that have grown inside of that soil. Hebrews 12:15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Watch out that your children don't have some bitterness that is being built into them uh, from some offense that they've taken. And sometimes the soil of their heart gets hard and they close their spirits. A lot of times it's an offense from their dad or from discipline. But you need to make sure that there is no hardening of their heart. And if there is, if you notice that their spirit is closing up, you need to, if it's something that you've done, you need to say, I am sorry, I apologize. You need to listen carefully to them, to um, connect back with them. And when they allow you to, and you can tell if, if a child's spirit is closed, if they have that um, body language of, of crossed arms, legs, they don't want to talk to you, they're withdrawing, they're uh, rebellious, they're quiet. You can tell that their spirit is closing up. So it's your responsibility as a parent to make sure that there's no bitter roots that grow up and then you deal with it spiritually. And then the last thing and, and something that we want to touch on today is you want to apply miracle grow. And uh, that's making... That's sending your kids to camp and to other dynamic spiritual experiences a priority in your life. And uh, there are times away from the family and away from school and away from media where the kids get, get praise, praise and worship that's out of this world, dynamic preaching, powerful, powerful life-changing messages uh, that, that they are open to being called to ministry, being filled with the Holy Spirit, salvations, um, friendships. So much of that happens in camp. And since Austin was eight years old, our boys have gone to camp every single year. We start saving for it early. I'm usually the first one to register. And uh, their lives have been changed. My boys have been filled with the Spirit. They, they would never miss camp. And I want to make sure that your kids don't miss camp. We have registrations outside on the tables for kids' camp this summer, for middle school camp, and for high school camp. And middle school camp is coming up in June, so parents, you want to make sure if you have a middle schooler that you're getting that registration in June 25th. High school camp, July 9th, and kids camp is July 23rd. Awesome. Hey, guys, um, raising champions for God. Raising champions for God is dependent on this one thing, and that is you having a personal relationship with Christ and depending upon His grace. None of us can do this without the Holy Spirit's help. We need the Spirit of God alive and active in our life. The Bible says that He'll be our teacher. This miracle grow, this encountering the presence of God, knowing the reality of God. The gr- My heart as a pastor is that your children, if you have children today, your young people today, know the power of God's presence. You see, because it was at the age of five, it was the first time that I encountered the Holy Spirit. I encountered His power. No matter what I did in my life and how rebellious I got, I could never run from that reality. These things that we talked about today, they're so important. We, as a church, maybe you don't have kids or maybe you have grandkids. You can help make a difference in their life and making sure that these things, to the best of your ability, are going to take place. Our issues are going to come this morning. We're going to receive our offering. You have your Connect card, and, and we have some boxes for you to check on there. There's the beach and baptism. We're inviting everyone to come out next week. That's really going to be a fun time and a great time as a church family. Then we've got... Uh, uh, this that the parenting uh, questionnaire that we're going to do for next week for discipline. If you have questions about discipline, how to discipline, or where you are in your relationship with your kids, you can ask those, and we'll seek to answer those next week. We're going to receive our offering and our tithe this morning. 
This is how it works. All the things that we're able to do in our community, in our city, and all the ministry outreaches and all the things that take place here is because the people of God faithfully give. One of the, one of the things that we have, all these kingdom values that we're talking, we're, we're just jumping a boatload on you today, but it's so important. If you take one thing away, if you take this away, that the God that we serve is a great God, the word grace means gift. God's given us the gift of His Son, Jesus. Jesus has given us His Spirit, His Holy Spirit who lives in us. This power of generosity of giving back to this generation and the generation to come happens as we open our hearts and our wallets to advance the kingdom of God. I want to pray a blessing over you today as you give. Father, I thank you for the gift of the giver. I thank you for the, this time of generosity, Lord. I thank you that City Church is a place of great, great grace. And we love you today. We pray your favor upon this day. Thank you, Lord, for this 10th a nine o'clock service. And I pray increase into it, Father. I pray your blessing upon it today. Father, I thank you for the gift of the giver in your wonderful name. Amen. God bless you as you give this morning. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul unto you surrendered all I am is yours whenever the buttons are, are passed you can just stand to your feet and we'll just declare this and I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned of oh, the one who parenting I always learn so much and I know there's one thing that you can take away from today no matter how old your kids are or even if you don't have any it's just such great great wisdom and even apply it to your own life even if you're not a child so have a great day just have a Sabbath rest day I just put that over you great rest today God bless you see you on Wednesday night Yeah.